All right, welcome to another episode of Chat and Chill with Super Hill. I am Superintendent of Windsor Public Schools, Dr. Terrell Hill, and I have with me today uh, a guest, Miss Felicia Hamilton. She's one of our extraordinary teachers here in Windsor Public Schools, and she is at Windsor High School. Welcome to the show. All right, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. That's good. So uh, in honor of Black History Month, uh, we're doing a conversation with Ms. Hamilton to talk about black excellence. And that would be a whole other show for me to really explain that to the audience out there. So just do some reading on your own and you can figure that part out. But um, I want to get right into it with Ms. Hamilton. And so the first thing is we want to talk about honoring black educators. So I'll say this. Um, what some people don't know, actually, like I, I sit on committees with the state. Uh, I sat on panels across the nation. People are constantly looking for um, educators of color, uh, particularly black educators. And they're like, we can't find them. Uh, we need them. Where are they? What people seem to forget is that you fired all of us during um, or after the Brown versus Board of Education uh, decision the first one started it. There were actually two decisions, 1954 and then again in 57, 58. But we got fired. We lost our jobs. So mm-hmm. when we integrated in America, I mean, I know on the face it looks great and sounds great, but all those black teachers and black administrators lost their jobs. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my belief has been uh, from my research over many years, you fire a bunch of people from a particular career field. I doubt that their parents are going to continue to tell their children and grandchildren that's the field you need to go into. Mm-hmm. So you shook our confidence in this field, you being our, our court systems and our government and our laws. Um, but even still, many of us persist, and we know that we have a value and a calling. So um, share with us your journey. How, and I'm going to tell you all, I'm biased, y'all, right off the top. I know this is one of my child's favorite teachers, <laughs> but she one of my favorite teachers just Thank in you. terms of you know, just her style and how she delivers. So I'm going to shut up now. All right. My journey, where I started, I started at Martin Luther King Elementary School in Hartford. MLK. Yes, MLK. And um, honestly, I I came from an environment where it wasn't necessarily about uh, race, but more so you're just your culture. Mm -hmm. So it's always been a celebration of culture and how I was raised. And then um, I moved to the South in the Hartford, which brought me to Buckley. And it wasn't so much a focus on on my blackness um, or my Jamaican background. Um, and that probably was the first space where I felt a little bit lost and just like an afterthought. And then I, of course, went to an HBCU. And then we flipped the story again, where it was my first time seeing this celebration of really black excellence, this idea of there's a range of blackness and black people who are on the journey to do something great with mm-hmm. themselves, for themselves. Um, and... There was also a sense of like I had a range of educators, again, black educators that came from all over, not just America, but from all over. And so that was very interesting to see. So when I entered the field of education, I actually started um, next door in a district where I I thought that individuals um, oftentimes had chances to be something great, but they weren't always pushed. And so I wanted to be mm-hmm. in an environment where I saw people who looked like me and they can see someone else who was going to hold them to a high standard. Um, and then I heard about Windsor, <laughs> learned about Windsor. I've always had family that was in Windsor and Windsor Public Schools, and they didn't have as much of a struggle as some other family members. Um, and so I just wanted to be here to see what else I could do to shake that up and, and make it great. So that's how I came here. 
So I always want to do shout outs and we're also educating, right? Yeah. The, the listeners. So HBCU, uh, Historically Black College University. Yeah. And so which school did you attend? Delaware State University, okay. which has been in the top 10 for quite some time, only four hours away, you know? So those of you out there listening and you're thinking about colleges for your students, um, yes. I think this is, is even more important as we just went, we just had the Black Inventor series and mm-hmm. we had Dr. Entz on on a previous show and I've talked to so many people, when you talk about HBCUs, typically we can name four or five, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you get Hampton Howard, mm-hmm. right, real quick. You might get Norfolk State, you get Virginia State. A lot of times people Spelman jump, jump over. Spelman Morehouse. Mm-hmm. We jump over, you know, Delaware State. And we've had a lot of Windsor students mm-hmm. graduate from Delaware State. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing very well. And I'm just like, so I didn't attend an HBCU, but I want to promote that and lift that up. Every time I get a chance. So just want folks to know. So we have a, a Dell State alum here because you may have. We have two. No, I'm talking about on the show. Yes, right here. On the show, yeah, right maybe, here, right yeah, here. Definitely two in this But um, I want people so that, you know, you might have some of your fellow alums out there listening. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's representing y'all well. So Thank in you. terms of, um, I know you're a well-liked teacher. Um, and sometimes that's a, a two-edged sword, right? When students say, um, I remember being a teacher, and they're like, oh, that's our, you know, our favorite teacher. And some of the, the veteran teachers would automatically say, oh, so like you're the nice guy that hands out candy. And, <laughs> nope. You know, I actually had just come out of the Army, actually, so I was much more rigorous and uh, tougher discipline-wise uh, than a whole lot of teachers. But I don't know why the kids like me. I didn't go to school for teaching. I went for mm-hmm. business. I just felt called to it. But sometimes when you say you're a liked teacher, then it, it connotes some kind of image of soft and just trying to be the kids' friends. I have not read that about you as mm-hmm. I've watched you. So how do you keep things real, keep it rigorous, relevant, and kids still love Ms. Hamilton? Wow, that's a, it is a lot to consider and control. And I have to be really honest, there isn't a magic recipe. I am authentically myself at all times. And I, I had to, like, this idea of building a positive racial identity is something I can look at the stages and recognize it in myself and where I have been along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's this concept that I've come to now in terms of with other students. First, I think students want to take or have me as their English teacher because they haven't had black teachers. Right. So if you don't, that, if there's only one point. option, it's like right. ninth graders that I don't know or Miss Hamilton. Hey, Miss Hamilton in the hall. I don't. But right. it's hey back. But right. I know that you eventually want my class because you've never had one before. Then you get into the class and you're like, oh, man, I should have skipped. <laughs> I went to the other teacher. Whoa. Right. <laughs> so you have an experience. Right. But through that experience, I've had so many students like write these letters about how they found themselves in my class. The, the book that I intentionally teach every year is Their Eyes Are Watching God. And you're going to feel, by Zora Hurst, Neil Hurston, you're going to feel challenged right. in my space, right? But I am going to challenge you and encourage you at the same time. So the whole idea is that this may feel like something you're not familiar with. We don't know how to rhetorically analyze an argument and such. However, what you can rely on is that Ms. Hamilton is not only going to show you how to do it, right work through it with you, and then give you the resources that you can eventually do it on your own. And along the way, I'm always going to be here to, like, cheer you on right. and to, like, be a little bit of a support and then call you out when you're not doing what you need to do. So there's, like, so many facets to, like, also holding 
students accountable just because I am the black teacher or I am the fun teacher or the fun black teacher or however they want to frame it and you want to take my course or take English with me um, at the end of the day you know that you're going to write you're going to discuss you're going to have to read that book for homework and come back in and be prepared to analyze exactly what the author's purpose was Um, I'm not going to uh, in any way shorten the bar for you I'm going to regardless of who you are I'm going to hold you to a certain expectation but you can believe that I'm going to help you feel confident in getting there. So I think in my space, um, one thing that I, I make an effort to do in being myself is help kids to find themselves too and right. see that they can be successful regardless of who they are or where they're coming from. You said a lot there. So um, this is where my producer, I love her outlines. <laughs> they're so cute. Um, we're just going to flow because okay. I'm authentically me too. Um, but so those of you listening, right, and, I, and I'm hoping we have a lot of educators listening um, because I think too often, well-meaning as it may be, a lot of educators want to go in a room and they go in with the intent to be liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that supersedes their intent to actually educate. And so I, I believe, as you said earlier, there's no magic formula. And as I started to actually reflect on what I was doing when I was teaching uh, in the early 90s in Newport News, Virginia, I was myself. Yeah. Every day I was myself. I don't even actually know how to be anyone else. Right. Um, I share a story. Uh, depends on, you know, when I'm in an educational setting speaking. Um, they're like, well, how did you become the, the educator you are? I was like, uh, student Jerry Ann. I was, you know, dealing with her with something in class. It was seventh grade. And I didn't major in education, so I was a business major. So I had a book you know, how to educate the middle school child. Right? Like, I'm going to do my research. And I'll never forget, She was. we were going back and forth, and she grabbed the book, full class, 35 kids in the room. She grabbed the book off my desk and threw it in the trash can mm. and told me, you ain't going to be able to teach me Maine for no damn book. Mm. No, I did not send her to the office. And there was no discipline because I had just got school by a student. And... I said, Jerry, go sit down. I finished my day, but I reflected on that for a few days. And that book never came out of the trash can. Mm -hmm. And so I understood I needed to just teach everything I was going to teach, and I was teaching math at the time, the way I would teach it Mm -hmm. and what I would want to say and how I would want to do it. And, you know, it wasn't like, do this for two minutes and then tell the student to, no, no, we just flow. So... I look at education as an art form. Mm-hmm. That's so whenever I, I teach students at UConn, I've been teaching at university level for over 20 years, it's an art form. And if you're not really artistic, you might struggle a little bit, right? Because it's not mechanistic. So that being said, the other piece that you know you brought to my attention, you said I'm going to push them and support them. Mm-hmm. Too often I hear educators say, well, I just have high expectations. And you enough. know, I just don't know, you just have thoughts. Yeah. Right, because I got high expectations of you, and stuff ain't happening. And so, in order for us to have high expectations, us being administrators, have high expectations for our teachers, there's this thing that we need to provide. I believe professional development, mm-hmm. right? And so, we just came off of professional development day. Um, what are some of your thoughts around the like not just the data that you, the data that you saw, but the whole uh, aura of that day? professional development, because it matters. 
And I want your honest opinion. I'm looking at her face, y'all. I call it all out. <laughs> well, I will say. Uh, and there's no name names. Just I'm just going into the first session. So there was one session, and, and this is outside of the Windsor Nation, right? So the first session, we sat down. Uh, I facilitated or co-facilitated a session with two other educators um, around disciplinary literacy. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't just typically this was our third round. So we had social studies, science, and English in our other rounds. This one, we also had the building subs, special ed, like a number of different departments. And um, we received a lot of positive feedback. So the vibe was for this particular one, it was something that's accessible. It's considering anything that you're getting ready to do with the children, mm -hmm. you want to teach this text, how do we know whether or not students can access it? And so the approach was for everyone to consider this one text and based on your individual discipline, how is it that you can prepare it for students considering these different literacies, whether it's vocabulary, it's structure, it's um, sentences and such. But everyone in the room seemed to feel and their discussions around this idea of we want everyone to be able to um, comprehend the text Right? Comprehension comes before you can do anything else with right. it. We want everyone to be able to comprehend the text, and here's this tool that I can use. So it seemed, the conversations, the engagement seems like everyone could buy into that process. Okay. Um, in the afternoon, I believe that individuals sat down, at least for English, and they thought about where's the alignment? What are we doing at Sage Park that you're doing here in the 10th grade. And the conversations there felt like individuals, they found some things out that we're doing that are the same. And we found out that there are some things that we need to like address to have clear vertical points. And so Tuesday, our last PD session, it felt like individuals were engaged. Those who were here felt like they bought into it. So do you see yourself as a teacher leader? I do. <laughs> I do. Um, not admin, though. Let's not. I don't I want. Say, all right. I was very clear. <laughs> you were. You I were. said teacher leader. Okay. Y'all and y'all out there around the globe. She only <laughs> about three feet from me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how she misheard me, but it's okay. Yep. I'll say it again. I am an old school educator. So do you consider yourself a teacher leader? I do. Yes. Um, primarily from the sense of being a support for other individuals like how when i hear conversations around something you're doing in your class that students may be struggling with or just in regards to how they're interacting with other educators socially right i don't like to um interject in moments too much especially when it's a social piece i wait for educators to ask me but in other realms i do want to essentially model what this can look like in your classroom space. You're welcome to come in. And then I'd like to provide you with supports that have also helped me and sharing with other individuals. But I think the leadership part primarily comes from the sense that I am someone who's going to like essentially foster the sense of learning in my classroom space and positive relationships in my classroom space and offer the opportunities for others to like see the process, talk to me about the process and try to, to emulate the same. So you're not going to push in. No. I hear that. Okay. <laughs> but um, so you'll step up, though, when, when somebody comes to you. Yes. So have you ever got to a point where you were just boiling over inside? Because they weren't coming to you, but you yes. know you needed to do something. Yes. And what, what do you do in those instances? 
I offer support in regards to, I, I'll ask questions, right? So what did you do last semester and how far did the students get with that skill and what do you think was missing? So I like to start there to let them kind of realize what it is that where there might be gaps in the instructional approach. Um, I think it's better to help people see what it is that's happening. And for those individuals, they I typically only step in when I'm like boiling over if they're within my PLC team <laughs> or grade level team, right? But I, yes. <clears throat> and because I want individuals to feel like they have their own expertise. So just like with the students, if you feel confident in what that you're bringing to the table, then we can find a middle ground where I can help you to, you know, more effectively reach students and their needs. So this is one of the areas that I struggle with. Um, again, mm -hmm. 31 years in education. Um, so I didn't, I'm a very forward person and mm -hmm. I always want to win. That's just a term I use. Mm -hmm. So I will go seek help fast, right? So it's funny when I listen to people now, um, I say, you know so much, you know a lot. I'm like, I still have I have lots of mentors, mm -hmm. and I ask lots of questions. Um, one of the things that I see, and I was a business major, one of the things I see that's different from that business mentality versus um, an educator mentality is educators tend to have a belief. They'll say no, but they do. They have a belief that they've mastered their craft because they got their license. Oh, no. And so they they tend not to ask for help, mm -hmm. right? They... And as an administrator for 20-something years now, um, I don't think my commentary is anecdotal as much as it is, like, it's probably more the norm. Um, and I share with colleagues and administrators across the nation, they'll wait till they're almost in trouble. Mm -hmm. And now you're coming in and you're judging them, and they feel attacked and terrible, like you told them they're not good enough for this career field. And that's, that's never the case for me. Like, that's not what I want to get to. But I'm saying, if you need help, why do you need someone else to tell you you need help, right? If you're not getting the results that you say you would like to get, why do you need someone else to say that to you? Um, because I look at it, and I, when I teach, I use real-life analogies. Something in your life is not working outside of your teaching job. Very few people, you know, and I say there's some abnormalities in people's thinking, very few people stay with something that's not working for them. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why so many of us in this field, right, we feel like I can't move, I can't get progress, but they do the same thing that they've been doing. And isn't that the definition of insanity, right? It just sure I just had to note that because people always feel like, you know, um, I'm in a room. Yesterday I was in a room and people, yes, and I said, can I see you for a minute outside the room? And this is adult, and I'm with adults all the time. And they just get so tight and jumpy. And I'm like, I just said I like to talk to you outside. Like, mm -hmm. When I was six years old, I knew that just meant that they didn't want everybody in the room to hear what they were going to say to me, yeah. right? Which I appreciate because it could be embarrassing, right? Mm -hmm. But you get jumping, you're like, what are you jumping for? Um, I reflect on my leadership every day. So I sit in my office in the evening many times. I, I used to do it on my commute home, but my commute is two miles. So that doesn't help. But, um, but I sit after everyone's gone and I think through my day and how I dealt with certain people and things that I said and could I do it better and... You know, did this person really get what I was saying? Or mm -hmm. were they, you know, when I say were they offended, I don't worry about people's emotions as much anymore. I've gotten too old for that because people can go in their bag on some stuff. And I'm like, how did you get there? But my job is to drive performance for the entire town. Mm 
And I have to do that through 600 and something people. And so I just feel like we probably could move a little further and faster if more people were okay talking to their colleagues who may be a bit more skilled in a particular area than they are. I think something you just mentioned, and I'm thinking through something I do as well, is you mentioned a reflection moment, right? So there's first the acknowledgement right. that, like, how did today go? And this is something I do with my student teachers. Like, what do you think about that lesson? And what adjustments would you make? And if you're being honest with yourself in right. that moment, right, then you can identify that, like, there, this was off and it could be related to social emotional needs. It could be related to you didn't scaffold enough. But there's a reflection piece that you're mentioning that needs to happen right. first. And I think maybe that's the barrier for people being willing to reach out and ask for help. So we just thought it out there, folks. Reflection, <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah. Like, you... Because, you know, if you think you're just going to ride it out to retirement, like 35, 37 and a half years is a long time. All right. So we, you know, I don't follow the script one for one, but um, let's kind of talk about representation. So how important do you think it is for students to see an educator of color? Oh, wow. Um, I've, no, well, obviously very important, um, regardless of race, racial background. Um, yeah, so students in general, right? It doesn't matter what students are in front of me. Uh, I treat all my students in the same manner. Like, I want you to understand who you are, celebrate who you are, and celebrate your gifts, right? And so that is my approach because I recognize how important that was for me to receive that. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that's something I bring in because of my blackness, right? If you If you never had to, like, fight for the world to see you and to understand you and to recognize your gifts, then do you make it a priority to do it for other people? Um, and a gift could simply be that you you were able to summarize that text. I am so proud of you, right? Or we could just simply be celebrating like you did your hair. What? I love that new style. So celebrations come in many different forms mm -hmm. in, in my space, at least in my classroom space or hallway, wherever I see students. But I, I think that that is a part of like, the draw to some black educators for, for different students right. is this idea of having someone who they believe will recognize them and see them for who they are without like prejudgment and assumptions about what they can and cannot do. So what's, what if any are drawbacks to being a teacher of color oh. in this space? And I'm not talking about <laughs> Windsor high school necessarily. Okay. You can focus on that. Any space. To, but just, <laughs> Because we are such, you know, we represent mm -hmm. about, I believe, 6% of total teaching staff across the nation. Mm. So. You know, I've seen those videos, those video clips, and they'll walk into a building and they're asking their, their black educators these questions. Have you seen them? And it's like 10, yeah. 12, 15 black teachers. And I always wonder, where is that school? In the South. That, <laughs> in would, the South. that would most likely, when I started teaching in Newport News, Virginia, um, I can recall, outside of the principal and her secretary, four white teachers. And we were in a middle wow. school that had 1,500 students. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, in that building, you may not have this drawback. Yes. But I have found that a common complaint complaint is that individuals believe that you've just got it all together with classroom management and that you're the go-to teacher for anyone that may um, – be challenging for other teachers. Let's put them in that class. Let's put them with Anyone that teacher. Anyone that may be challenging? 
for the black students okay. that may be challenging for other teachers, right. let's put them with the Anything black teacher. blackish. <laughs> that's that's right. Blackish, close to it, whether it be because you deem this behavior to be close to it right. or the skin color mm -hmm. and whatever the case is, you're placed with this teacher because right. they can control or reach or whatever the language is that's you're typically black used. Whisperer. Yeah, that's that's the case. I don't find that um, here. I feel like really? students, I don't. I That's, have had. That makes me smile. Yeah, I've had students who are in African American literature, um, and it's an honors level course, but primarily because they either want an experience with me or they want experience with that content, not necessarily because. So the, the drive to like get them to the skills of the class is a little bit different. Um, so that's the only context where I know I've had students placed in my class, you know, based off of a preference. But otherwise, I don't feel like that's been my my you story don't, here. You don't feel the black teacher pressure then? I don't feel the black teacher pressure here. No, I don't. Well, that's, that's good because yeah. I know I felt it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I've, I've been in a district and been the only black teacher in the entire district. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah, I know, have to. parents have gone by the door looking like, oh, that's. That's who him. That's what he looks like. I just wave. Yep, I'm the black guy. I'm here. I'm right here. Um, so that's good. That There's means... a different level, though. There's what do you a different mean? challenge. Explain. There's another challenge where, like, you question, and I'm I'm saying you in general, where you may feel like um, the white parents or other parents may question your ability to teach this course. Right, they may question your uh, your capacity to uh, I don't know teach AP Lang <laughs> you, was, because of I because of your background, of right? Okay. So that is that's a different level of challenge where it's like I have to defend essentially um, my my abilities, uh, my knowledge of the content and such that can come up. In other districts, I've had. Um, individuals essentially challenge a text that I was I chose yeah, to teach yeah. and such because of the author. So I know that that happens. Okay. But for the most part, I don't feel that pressure here. So I, I have seen both and I'm glad you you know organically brought that up. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I came here to Windsor, I came to Windsor High um, as vice principal and I was first black male vice principal in the town. Mm -hmm. um, they had had, I think, three black females in the district at the time. So um, older than me, but yeah, it was, and then I was put in charge of the the seminar program, AP courses, right? Mm -hmm. Testing for the school system. So yeah, there were definitely times when I don't, I won't even say I felt, I know. There was some doubt, right? Some, no, some people were blatant with oh. it. Like, you know, what qualifies you to do this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, wow, it's like what qualifies me and and I mean schools aren't immune to the societal issues that are there, right? I, I believe schools, you know, by their very nature are just microcosms of our society as a whole. Mm -hmm. So um yeah, that's those are pressures. And when, so I think about this stuff, um I had a meeting today, I had to leave early from it, but for over a decade plus I've been on the it used to be called the minority teacher recruiting um mm -hmm. committee for the state. And now it's, they just change all, uh, you know, edu something educators of color, like okay. I, I, whatever. Like I, I really, your title is your title. Are we getting the work done? So I know that when we talk about things, I'm very um, 
deliberate and consistently bring it to the table, the discussion about we can't just say we want these folks and then we think we're going to stick them all in the same few districts. Mm -hmm. And teachers of color do not all fit in the districts that are majority students of color, right? Mm -hmm. Because this term, I'm not trying to talk over anyone's head out there in the audience, but, you know, folks of color are not monolithic. We are not one thing. Mm -hmm. We are not one thing. I believe that's what Ms. Hamilton was saying when she went to her HBCU. And mm -hmm. you, saw, you saw, I'm going right. to use the term litany, but you saw a litany of black folks, mm -hmm. right? They, they run the gamut. Um, I've met black folks who's, they know their lineage and connections and they still own the land and the islands. Their family owned slaves mm -hmm. since the early 1800s, right? They had the sugarcane plantations in Trinidad and mm -hmm. they were always the owners, and they know this, and they're connected still to the land and the people. And, and I'm like, so that's not anything I grew up knowing, um, but I learned that in meeting people. So there's, we are unique and beautiful. I will say that all the time. We're so different. There are some common experiences that I think make life fun. Um, right. One of the things I'll say lightly, when I go somewhere and you see a person of color and you do a head nod, that's right. I have never had to explain the head nod. I've lived in Europe for years and, you know, I've traveled the world. Never had to explain the head nod. I like that. You know, I like, or somebody walked by you, you know, even if it's a porter or, I mean, a porter, but a bellhopper or concierge of color, they see you come in and you stay here and they give you that look like, yo, mm, that's what's up. That's what's up. I like that, man. Y'all stay here. So you get a little extra treatment, mm -hmm. right? Every day they see you walk through the lobby and they're like, yo, I don't see us staying in places like this. So, you know, representation is really good. But um, when you're in a space where you don't feel like you can let your hair down, it can be really tense and overpowering. So in a place, how do you let your hair down in your current space? Are you able to do that? Or are you in your mask until you get back to your house? No, I am myself at all times. I am. I'm really yourself authentically me. Like, really? Yes. Really? So I I teach about double consciousness all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So uh -oh, we want we want to yeah. W. E. B. Du Bois. We want to talk about this whole duality. My that, favorite black person in history. Oh really? Absolutely. James Baldwin is mine. James Baldwin. All right. W. E. B. Du Bois. <laughs> the boys on my wall. I wrote papers in grad school comparing and contrasting him and Booker T. Ah. Uh, so of my course. dude. Uh, yeah. Langston Hughes is my favorite writer poet. Mm, Zora Neale Hurston. It's right. mine. Okay, All we didn't right. drop some now. So y'all can go get your y'all go right read about it. You know, pick up a book and read it. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, I think I avoided your question though. And I forgot it because we started spitting like we we ciphering off authors and right. speakers and writers. So right. Um, no, I was talking about um, the mask, and you were yeah. saying. Oh. I don't, I'm my authentic self. Yeah. And see, I've never felt that the mask was your authentic self. I always saw the mask more of um, a protection in terms of this is not a space that's going to ever be um, safe for this part of me. I would love for I'm you. I'm going to be me, mm -hmm. but you can't, like I will say, I can't be, you know, sh or not be, but show all of me. Because people aren't ever going to be ready for that. Our society is not ready for that. Mm -hmm. And the higher you go, I've learned, there's another level of pressure. Right? It's it's an every, like I know for a fact being a superintendent, a black superintendent, and I'm an outspoken person, 
um, by default, I'm, I'm seen as one of the spokespersons for superintendents. Anything I say gets scrutinized more ways than a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I have to, part of my mask, I have to give a little extra thought to mm-hmm. things. Even though I don't stumble with words, you know, I, I flow off the dome. But I have to say, okay, Terrell, but if you say this, mm-hmm. be prepared to respond mm-hmm. all these ways. Whereas when I'm with my family and friends, mm-hmm. like when I go to the barbershop this afternoon, I'm not going to have to do all that extra thinking. And I'm going to mm-hmm. say the same things. Okay, so I'll make some adjustments to my response, right? So in the classroom space, I will say I'm most authentically myself. There really isn't much. um, If we're talking about social issues, you're you're going to get the real me. You're home. That's your house. It is home. There's literally a plaque that says home sweet home (laughs) with the B for Beyonce in my room. (laughs) That's right. But I, I, I hear what you're saying in regards to when I'm in certain spaces, I may silence myself intentionally. I may ad- adjust what I'm saying intentionally. I've been in spaces where it's like if I speak my mind and I say too much, I get this angry black woman like stereotype placed on me automatically. And mm-hmm. to avoid that, right, I am intentional with my words and intentional with my speech. So I will speak up, but I am... I pay attention to when I do and how I do it. Um, that isn't to say that I I pull back from my message or like my my aura of who I am and what I believe in remains true mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. It's just that code switching. Mm-hmm. There we go. Does need to occur occasionally depending on the audience. But right. my students, they're getting an authentic Miss Hamilton for right. sure. Yes. So we looked, I'll just say, and it's not really a question, but if you want to jump on it, yeah. you can see some. I looked at with the uh, Windsor Nation mm-hmm. and some of the, the polling that was done mm-hmm. as I watched it. Uh, was I shocked by the answers? Not even a little bit. Mm. Not even a little bit. But um, And I was talking to my leaders afterwards um, back in my office. But man, I would love to have fleshed out some of those responses in real discussion, right? Because there's so much to be said about why a person thinks that. Mm. And, you know, this is not for this audience, so I'm just not directly saying anything. But I'm like, as a critical thinking instructor um, for years, I want to really dive into it because there's so much behind stuff. And I don't think that most people actually even understand why they think the way they think. Mm -hmm. Because we've been socialized or conditioned, however people want to look at it, so well and so early on and people don't even look at their life in terms of a a cycle of socialization they just think i am this because i am it's like nah you were trained from day one a long time ago and all your actions show the level and type of training that you have and so in order for you to quote unquote come off differently you have to untrain yourself and in public education for me at this level, because I see it now, I wouldn't say 50,000 feet, but I can see the entire system. And I'm talking about the mm. nation. Like, because I've done every job. The The battle now is the struggle between how I've been trained and the untraining that most of them know that's needed. That's for the nation. So mm. that's just something to put out there so people can say, what is he talking about? All right. Let's just go to some little uh, lighter, so okay. to speak. Future plans and aspirations. So I'm going to say this on my own. You are a teacher leader, but I don't see you going into educational leadership, not the traditional roles, vice principal, 
principle. Am I wrong? You're absolutely right. <laughs> I'm not interested in, in administration at all. Um, dream job, I'd be teaching at an HBCU. Oh. Yeah. Um, Might be able to help you with that. Yeah. But not why I'm still They don't, but there aren't, <laughs> there aren't any in Connecticut, right? So that would involve a move. That's a move. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I've taught about uh, teacher education programs where I'm still like, at this point, educating other educators on how to teach mm -hmm. students, regardless of who's in front of you. So all students and build positive racial identities in all students. Uh, so those are just some ideas. I'm in a program right now for reading instruction, but it's more so just if I wanted to go into reading consultant, but I'm not, I'm not really interested in that. I really love the space of uh, being able to, you talked about critical thinking, but mm -hmm. being able to like expose kids to this idea of everything that they consume is something that they need to digest in a meaningful way. And not just like people are saying things to you for a reason and you're getting all these messages everywhere for a reason. And so you need to be able to critically look at what's out there and consider who you are because school is training us one way. Society, meaning social media, everything we consume is a form of training our brains to think a certain way. And so I like this space where I have a hand in like helping people develop themselves. So here or the collegiate level. That's my goal. I said I was going to go light, but she brought it back heavy. <laughs> now I'm sorry. Cause I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, because I'm listening to her and I'm looking at her and I'm just like, oh, I'm just trying to stay light, trying to stay light. It's not working. We're breaking up. Because um, <laughs> I use, I have a colleague and I've mentioned her and shouted her out so many times when I was teaching at Springfield College, um, Dr. Bobby Harrow. She did, in part of her dissertation, she developed a model called the cycle of socialization. It can be Google, cycle of socialization. And um, it shows you the stages of the training. Mm -hmm. And so when I came upon this in the 90s, I was like, wow. Like, that's the picture of what it is, right? And so um, without naming every section, but basically you're born to the world of blank slate. That's what it says. Blank slate. So for the folks out there that believe, oh, you know, I was born Italian, I was born Ethiopian, I, you were born a human. You take the Ethiopian baby and put them in a Scandinavian home, and that's where they raise their Scandinavian by culture and design. Sorry. And there is no biological stuff really that's going to make you different from someone else. So you need to go to school and not sign up for college, but I mean go to the library and start reading some real books without the pictures. So you'll learn. But the things that we we don't even understand, like coming to school, school is a big part of that socialization. Mm -hmm. And I've read enough papers and books over the decades that schools in different kinds of communities actually are designed to replicate the people of that community. Yes. Have you heard of that? Do you have. think about that? I have. I mean, if you look into certain uh, districts, designs and such, you'll see that there are schools that are essentially raising people to go out and be the workers of that community. And there are other schools that are raising people to go out and be the doctors and the lawyers and such of the community, right? And so I think that was a design that we could even trace back to redlining in terms of what we put into the systems are to produce the people that are going to be of that 
community. It's a whole cycle. And I would like to break the cycle. I'm a product of breaking the cycle, right? I grew up on Kent Street in Hartford. And if you know Kent Street in Hartford, then you know. Right. <laughs> right? right. And, and I feel like in terms of people who are around me, when they go into school systems and regardless of the type of school they go into, when they go into school systems, the biggest thing that they see that their kids come out with and they come out with is this sense of self. And who are you is completely dependent on what you're exposed to and right. what you experience, right? right? And I, I, so I strongly believe that it is a design of the school. So what we do here, when we are celebrating individuals and their blackness, and we are celebrating individuals and their individual gifts and skills and such, then we're telling them that that is worth celebrating. It's something of value that they hold, and they should expand on that when they go out into the world. When you're in a school district that doesn't do that, when you're in a school that is ignores your race, ignores your cultural background, ignores your gifts and your talents and such, and just focuses on your ability to either do this equation or not do this equation. If you can't, then that means you're going to get plugged over here, right? And we're going to track them and put them in different places. Then your sense of self is just weak, right? You don't ever get an understanding of not just who you are, but who other people are and be able to recognize your differences and celebrate them too. I think it was, is it Dr. Tatum? Dr. Tatum from Why All the White Kids sitting together Beverly in the cafe. Daniels Tatum? Yes. Yeah. Right? That idea of I I am so much involved with these people because these people understand me, right? Mm -hmm. But you're seeing that as being a problem and when it's not necessarily that, what you should see is where are other opportunities mm -hmm. where I can pull into mm -hmm. that. And if you want your kids engaged in the classroom, give them something for them because they're not seeing this equation or the Shakespeare or this, whatever the case is, this war, they're not seeing it as being something for them. So I, I just definitely play into this whole idea of if we want to empower and uplift individuals, we need to socialize them in the way that does that and not in the way that restricts them or makes them, we don't want to highlight ways that they've been ostracized in society, right. teach them about it, but we want to right. emphasize more so what they can do beyond that, build that resistance beyond that. And I'll continue to use this podcast when the subject crosses that line or actually gets near it. Um, mm -hmm. So the myth and the the actual ignorance, I call it, out there in our country right now in particular uh, about not teaching history in its truest and purest form. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want white kids to feel bad or like that's that's some adults with their own agenda because that's not even students. Right. I told you I've been a black teacher. The only one in all white town. My white students like clamored to be in my room, mm -hmm. and I had these discussions. They were real, authentic, down to earth. Made my administrators nervous a little bit, but they never stopped me. So I thank God for that. And they were like, "Yo!" And I would tell people all the time when I um, came to Windsor after that place. I said, "My white kids could break Black History stuff down to y'all like y'all couldn't even imagine." Mm -hmm. and I'm talking black kids mm -hmm. because I wanted them to understand that your history is important. But there's a whole other segment of folks who you don't know anything about them. And so that's part of the socialization, right? If I never learned that Felicia Hamilton has done anything of any significance or comes from people who've done anything of any significance, then I see Felicia Hamilton as insignificant. Mm -hmm. And I treat her as such. Exactly. Right? And I still, I always have that stance of superiority. Versus if I learn more about Felicia Hamilton and, you know, her ancestry, and I'm like, oh, shoot. 
doesn't make me feel less than. It's like, that's cool. Like, you had a grandfather that did this, mm-hmm. or, you know, your people were the first to create that. That's cool. When I, when, when I had the show with Dr. Inns, that's what we talked about. Everyone has contributed to our existence on this planet. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with sharing everyone's contribution? And schools, if if not here, where else, right? Why wouldn't schools be the the centers for disruption? And I know what they were designed for, right? The places to pass on culture the way they want it, whoever's in power being they. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been that teacher coming from business. So I was the person called to education, so not a classically trained teacher. I'm here to shake it up. Everything I knew was wrong when I was in school because I was that kid reading the Black Encyclopedia in elementary school. So I was the one getting in trouble. About great grades, but just speaking up. So um, you might be familiar. I've taught my children that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, open your mouth and don't don't be sucking up this information. Like as you said, like everything brought to you and given to you. Like now nah, you got to filter it, right? When you digest, I'm assuming that means break it down and like, mm-hmm. mm, some stuff just needs to be expelled, right? Because it's waste. Yes. There are no nutrients in that. You only keep the nutrients. And so I think that's what schools should be. I think that's what teachers are. Teachers are and should be disruptors of the cycle of socialization. For those things that are not positive. Because mm-hmm. there are some good things. And you want to continue, right? right. Um, being thinkers and empathetic people to like, how do I, how do I use what I know, what I learn? Um, what I believe in, what I'm passionate about to make the world that much better in my sphere of influence. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, you know, sorting people by, well, you happen to count faster. So you're a fast counter. And and then what? But you don't like people. Or you've read a thousand books in the last two months. But you don't know how to share any of the knowledge that's in your head. Mm-hmm. So then what use are you? I love those, those little... Uh, um, activities we would do in school or in business school when they would say, you know, you've all been stranded on this island or in this mm-hmm. place, right? And you have a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or grandmother. <laughs> Who do you save, right? And initially people would be like, ooh, because we were thinking in the moment about our existence in another space. So that lawyer may have significance back home in a fully functioning society. I don't know that your knowledge of the law has really any significance on this island. Can you collect wood? Can you identify the deadly plants, the edible plants, right? Right. Do you know how to swim? Have you ever fished? Right? So if we get hurt, the doctor usually gets kept, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because if you get hurt, the doctor can help you out. But it's like, you know, do we want to reproduce? Like, there's all kind of things you think about. So that's the stuff that I want folks thinking about when they come out of our systems. People are going to society, what can I do to better things? So I love that, you know, because I don't follow the plan directly, but you cover stuff, and I've been mm-hmm. looking, like, okay, she hit yeah. this up. So my thing is, the last question I'll ask you, when it's all said and done, I'm not talking about when you're dead. I'm talking about if and when you, you leave Windsor. Yes. And you go on to the next great thing. So you are the great uh, professor endowed chair at some HBCU. What do you want your legacy to be here in Windsor? That's a question. My legacy. Uh, I know that I, I just I'm drawn to this one letter that I received. And it was from a student who graduated last June. And she spoke about how she found herself like her true sense of self. 
she spoke about how she started her locks and like all the support I gave her around that. Mm -hmm. She spoke about how when we read The Rise of Watching God, she struggled through the vernacular. But then she she followed this understanding of this journey, this self-discovery for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then she she wrapped it up with this idea of like she never even looked at her blackness until she was in as being something that to even consider and celebrate and think about until she was in my class last year. So for me, I want more kids to like have that understanding to I don't regardless of your race, but I want more kids to come mm -hmm. into the space and feel like they were challenged in a way that they were able to find themselves through that challenge and walk away feeling confident that like I can take on whatever else may be a challenge for me because they were granted that gift of like self-confidence throughout their process. You're going to struggle, I know that, but I want people to remember that. Like none of this is supposed to be easy. None of it, right? But there will be moments of like there be moments and opportunities for you to find yourself and to celebrate yourself. And I, I just encourage that for every single person. It's this idea of like being confident and happy with who you are. I don't know that um, I can give that to every student at Windsor or even every teacher at Windsor, but I promote it all the time. Well, I think you're going to do it where you can do it, right? Yeah. That's our legacy. <laughs> we Legacy isn't meant to be uh, an all-encompassing checklist right like mm -hmm. i came i saw i conquered sounds cute i came i taught i inspired mm -hmm. you don't have to add any other qualifiers right like everyone or like mm -hmm. i did it that's all i did my thing i did what i believe god intended for me to do mm -hmm. when i was in that space so i thank you for being here at windsor public schools i thank you for what you give to our students i thank you for what you share with your colleagues um, I know you're not the only one out there. I don't want people to think like, you only got one teacher. No, we have, you know, many amazing teachers. Um, but I want more and I'm going to continue to seek more. And, you know, once again, um, I like to tell people in my audience, you think you know something about Windsor, but you don't really know Windsor. Now you know. Bensounds.com.